Hey, we're going to come around this theme today of the purpose, and we're going to launch into this um, theme for a few weeks here, and it's my privilege to kick it off this morning. And I, I recently uh, preached a message at a Healed event hosted by the Kabbalah's ministry here last weekend, but I felt that this word is a word in season for our church and actually for our nation, and so I didn't want you to miss out because Silverwater comes first. And so I wanted to deliver this word to you here today under this theme of purpose. And, you know, I want to begin by asking, um, you know, is the call comfortable? Is God's purpose comfortable? Because if I'm honest here today and answering this question, for me, it's not. It's not comfortable. It constantly requires faith, yet it's the perfect fit. There is a grace that covers and enables me in the sacrifice. Who knows that, that grace? It just comes in just as you need it. It's phenomenal to partner with the Holy Spirit. You know, there are a lot of things I do out of obedience, not comfort. I mean, I, I can only imagine that life where we get to choose a life of comfort in the call. It's not comfortable. It's, it's driven perpetually by obedience, by being obedient to the one who has called us. But what I love in 2 Timothy 4.17, it says, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. And that's what I love about the call is as God commissions us, he enables us by his spirit. He literally stands alongside and he strengthens us by his spirit. He, he doesn't just send us out into the deep, but he comes with us. He is that great wingman that is right alongside us and strengthens us in this walk. I have found this to be true. You know, as representatives of Christ, leaders in the community, leaders in the house of God, leaders of our families, know that the Lord stands by you and strengthens you in your context. He completely arms and enables you. That's his nature. You know, as we walk in his purpose, he strengthens us. It's his purpose and he equips us for that walk. Amen. I want to ask you today, are you yielded to your call or are you wrestling with it? I think all the good men and women of the Bible have known times of testing when we have wrestled with our call. Amen. Are you in agreement with your purpose? It's not until we lock in and find agreement with our purpose that we start to take flight and bear fruit. It is an amazing place, the power of agreement, when we agree with the call that God has assigned to our life. It says in 2 Timothy 2.4, No soldier when in service gets entangled in the enterprises of civilian life. His aim is to satisfy and please the one who enlisted him. Now this is... The test on the Western world church, I feel, is that there is a, a lull and a rhythm in the world that if we're not careful, we could get um, succumbed to and we could find ourselves entangled in the things of this world because we're living a beautiful life here in the Western world, in the Western world church. And if we're not careful, we can get drawn into the lull and the rhythm of that. Uh, but rather, we need to not be preoccupied by that thing or entangled by that thing, but we need to be focused, as the scripture says, on the commissioning of our chief in commander, Jesus Christ, what he would have us do, what he would give, have us give our energy to, and let that be our focus, a heavenly 
God-ordained focus for each and every one of us. And I pray on this company of people today that we would lift up our eyes and see Jesus Christ, chief and commander, and we would yield to and align to his purpose for our life, his heavenly ordained purpose, so that we would bear much fruit. If you're in agreement with that purpose here today, why don't you give Jesus a shout of praise in this place here today? Now, I ask all of these questions. I'm feeling like a lawyer here today, Dory, and I'm asking a lot of questions leading to a place. <laughs> um, my concern is that the Western World Church has misunderstood her place. And today, I'm going to remind us, the church, of our heavenly purpose, who we are. I think it's as we know who we are as Christ's representatives in this world that we function in agreement with that call. Amen? Now, here's the thing. If we're not careful, the Western World Church could look like some contained, delicate, preoccupied representation of Christ. Am I amongst friends here today? Can I say things like that, Leon Chameleon? Can I just be transparent? These are the things I consider in my heart. Like we have become preoccupied from our purpose. Now, the church, the bride, is often depicted as female, right, in, through the scriptures. And, um, and I would suggest that this church is not a 1950s housewife. The church, Jesus' church, his representation in the world, I'm going to bring up this picture. She is lovely. And I mean no offense to the 1950s housewife, but she was lovely. She was committed to her family and she tended to her household beautifully. And I respect that, the women, the generations that have gone by. I mean no disrespect. I'm just insinuating here today that the church, Jesus Christ's church, his bride, his wife, his partner, his representation on the earth is not her is not uh, just focused on the household, not looking, not lifting up our eyes beyond the parameters of our household, not delicate and sweet, but maybe something else. Can I say that? Can we still be friends if I say that here today? Now, I've made some new friends recently. We can take that picture down. She's lovely, but we'll see you later. <laughs> I've made some new friends recently, and... Um, and uh, I was driving um, them home from youth the other night. These, um, these young brothers are, um, are twins and they're um, new friends in our community and they've come as refugees from Syria. And I was driving them home from youth the other night. We were having a conversation. I was tired and my filter was not great. And I don't know why we were talking like this, but I was talking about the downward spiral of the world. If you look around, there is a lot of destruction in our world right now. And if you fixate on it, you can get that philosophy. You can get caught up in the down. And I was literally doing that with my hand, which is ridiculous now that I think back. I mean, I, I was talking about the downward spiral of the world. And I was, I was, I was coming under that. I was fixating on that. And I had my young friends alongside me. And it took a, a young man who has come from a war-torn nation, yet is still fixed in Christ on his hope and his goodness, can only see Christ's goodness and his hope to say to me in a quiet voice, but firm, no, I don't believe that. I don't believe the world is on a downward spiral. The tide will turn. The situation will change. It took him 
my young friend to convict me and challenge my perhaps passive streak. I just feel that we can get passive if we're not careful. And it took this friend who has literally felt the breath of the shadow of death to correct me gently but truly in that moment and say, no, I don't believe that. He's so in Christ. He's so full of hope. He's so upright. And he turned, he tweaked me in that moment. And I needed a tweak. I needed a correction. I just feel if we're not careful, the church, that we could become passive and lulled into the rhythms of this world and stop seeing God's goodness and his power and his outpouring in our circumstances and across our nation. And we can only have one focus. You can't believe there's a downward spiral and believe that there is a mighty sovereign God. No, there can only be one focus, a heavenly perspective. Christ is the answer for the world. He will rule and reign. His goodness will be seen. His hope will be known in Jesus' mighty name. Now the church, rather than the 1950s housewife, is described like this in Proverbs 31.10 in the Passion Translation. We see the description of the virtuous wife. It says in verse 10, who could ever find a wife like this one? She is a woman of strength and mighty valor. She is full of wealth and wisdom. The price paid for her was greater than many jewels. Now, the Hebrew word here used to describe the virtuous wife is kayil, and it's often used in connotation with military prowess. This is a warring wife. Christ's church, his bride, his partner, his representation on the earth. This is she. She is not gentle. She's not passive. She's a woman on mission. Isn't she wonderful? Doesn't she provoke wonder? And I think the world should look at the church and think, wow, and actually think wonder and be struck with its kindness and its generosity and its answers and its breakthrough and its miracles. She's no 1950s housewife. She is a warring wife. That's what my Bible tells me. Now, this is how Kayil can be translated, mighty, wealthy, excellent, morally righteous, full of substance, integrity, abilities and strength, mighty like an army. Amen? This is she. This sounds like a church on purpose, right? This is she. This wife is a metaphor for the last day's church. She is magnificent. We are called to move as an army mobilized, fully awakened, not with restraint, moving on purpose. This is us advancing the kingdom of heaven on earth. Amen? Now, and of course, although the church is depicted as female in the scriptures, what I'm saying is this partner with Christ is not a passive one, but an army of men and women mobilized on purpose. Amen? Let me read this scripture over you in Hebrews 12, 12. It says, so then brace up and reinvigorate and set right your slackened and weaking and dropping knees and strengthen your feeble and palsied and tottering knees and cut through and make firm and plain and smooth straight paths for your feet. Yes, make them safe and upright and happy paths that go in the right direction so that the lame and halting limbs may not be put out of joint, but rather may be cured and army aligned, setting smooth paths on purpose, paths to the house of God, paths from the house of God, paths into the community, paths for our family, paths for provision, paths for finances, coming in and out of the house of God. 
Now, why say all of this? The 1950s bride, the Kayil, the warring wife, because it says we as the church are reminded who we truly are, that we are activated and mobilized on purpose. So much comes down to identity, how we see ourselves, and therefore what we expect to come out of our lives. The author Kirsten Hannah says, in love, we find out who we want to be. In war, we find out who we are. And I would ask you today, what comes out when the heat's turned up? Does Christ surge through our veins when the heat's turned up and the test comes or the opportunity comes? Is it Christ that moves us, that pours through our veins, that beats through our heart and moves us to represent him? Sometimes with a still, quiet word of faith like my friend, no. I don't believe that. That was Christ speaking in that moment. It's not always loud or profound, but it's true and it represents him in Jesus' mighty name. In 1 John 2, 6, it says, Whoever says he abides in him ought as a personal debt to walk and conduct himself in the same way in which he walked and conducted himself. I want to ask the question, if we're here to represent Christ as his bride, as Kayil, that warring wife, what does that look like? How did Christ walk if we're to echo the way that he walked? How does the church, what does the church on purpose look like? Well, the next part of this message might sound like a contradiction to Kayil, the warring wife, but it's not. Jesus was ablaze with his call. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Every breath, every prayer was assigned to his heavenly father, was yielded to his heavenly father. He was a man on purpose on this earth. But in essence, it looked like love. If you were to say, what did Jesus' life look like? It looked like love. And that might seem like a contradiction to Kayil, the warring wife, but no, the expression is the, the reflection of God's heart across this nation, across this community, and to reach your families, amen? Now, real love is not passive, it's sacrificial, it's long-suffering, it's generous, it pours out real love. Love is and always has been our greatest power. Can I remind us here today, love is and always has been your greatest power. The expression of love in simple acts of kindness to your dear children and to the ones in your world, your sphere of influence. Don't underestimate the power and the potency of love. It crosses the great divide. It impacts those around us in Jesus' mighty name. When we're motivated by love, we don't just give, we pour out. If ever there was a purpose, person on purpose, it's a person moved by love. It's phenomenal. I think of our children, the lengths that we will go to, the ridiculous lengths that we will go to to please the desire and the need of our children, that is an example of love poured out, the phenomenon of love. Um, you know, I want to bring up a picture of a friend of mine, John, who I met earlier this year. Uh, I was uh, in Rockingham um, in Perth, and I uh, was there to minister at a conference. Um, but what I know is that love sees. Love sees people. Love isn't just there to do a job. It sees people along the way. It sees the little ones. It sees the broken ones. It sees the lonely ones. It sees the successful ones. Just love 
seas. And I was there to speak at a conference and I got up in the morning to walk along the Rockingham foreshore um, to pray. And as I was walking, I saw John coming towards me. And in this brief moment, I had a little dialogue inside myself and it just was very simple. It went like, I can and so I will ask him out for breakfast. And so I approached John and he was lovely and I said, can I buy you breakfast this morning? And on that first morning, I bought John breakfast and he was um, sort of hiding around the corner. He was in survival mode. The cafe staff weren't that warm towards him, so he waited over there. And I gave him his breakfast and he was very, very clear to make sure that I was walking in one direction and he was walking in the other. And, and I understood that and so we parted ways. And then the next morning I, I got up and I walked to the foreshore to pray before I was going to preach at this thing that day. And again, I saw my friend John. And so I went into the cafe and um, I bought breakfast and now we had a rapport. So we sat together in the bus stop and we had breakfast together. Excuse the no makeup selfie. Wow. <laughs> and it was a beautiful time of just sharing our stories and being together. Uh, John was a lovely um, gentleman, but the thing that broke me about that mo morning is I went into the cafe and uh, whilst I was waiting for the food, I was asking them, do you know my friend John? He's an elderly man. He wears a beanie. He lives on the foreshore here. And as I was walking back to my accommodation, the thing that broke me is that that staff would not acknowledge him. They sort of did that shifty eye thing when people don't really want to look you in the eye, don't really want to acknowledge someone. And in my heart, I thought, but he lives in your neighborhood, but he lives on your beach. How do you not know him? And it, it broke my heart as I walked back to my place. See, love sees. Love sees. Love enlarges our hearts to put aside our preferences or our priorities. And love sees. That's the very nature of real love. You can bring that down. Thank you, team. Now, my friend uh, Marty Webb makes this statement, which really resonates with me. He says that we wear the mantle of affection. Kalil, the warring wife, clothed in the mantle of affection. This is his bride. This is the partner of Christ. Now, affection is devotion, attachment, tenderness, and care. We wear the mantle of affection. Hebrews 5.1 speaks of exercising gentleness. Proverbs 31.26 says, She opens her mouth with skillful and godly wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. Mantle of affection. Now, the amazing thing about Jesus is even when the heat was turned up, even in the time of the cross, where he was broken and tested to the, to the ends of his physical capacity, he didn't even retaliate in that moment. Even under great duress, he didn't retaliate in that moment because he was a man on purpose. He was a man on mission. So great was his love, the sacrificial nature of his love. He didn't even resist. He was yielding to his purpose. He was yielded to his core. There was no retaliation on the cross. He yielded and sacrificed and gave it up because he was motivated by love. Love so pure. Love undefiled, perfect in nature. And it says in John 15, 13, no one has greater love. No one is showing stronger affection than to lay down, give up his own life for his friends. There it is again, the mantle of affection. That is how Christ walks. Kalil, the warring wife, clothed in, dressed in the mantle of affection. This is Christ and this is our walk. 
Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, I don't know how you've been affected by uh, news of the Syrian war and the crisis. Um, I have been profoundly affected. Um, you know, when, when the news broke, um, firstly I thought, what in the world can I do? This is going on. I can't believe this is going on right now. Lord, what can I do? And all I could do was pray. And I was so consumed with the burden that I literally one day spent three hours in prayer because talking does not diffuse a burden. Only prayer lifts or relieves a burden. And I was so caught up. And, and I spent many hours in prayer since the news reached us and as the war has progressed. And in more recent times, I've started to have a question in my heart and a burden in my heart. Lord, I feel like we, C3 Silverwater, are meant to be a part of the answer, but I don't know what that looks like. Lord, I don't even know how to find these people. See, news reached us that these ones, these parts of our family, these in Christ ones are, are coming to our city. But then I was like, Lord, how do I even find them? And this burden continued. And just recently in our C3 Care service, I'm preaching. And this whole family, this 13 of them, walks into the service. And I'm like, I know they felt blessed by the connection. But I don't know if I can really explain how much I felt blessed by the connection. Because you're like, I said to them, you're the ones I've been praying for. You're the ones that I already love. I feel like I already know. And these these friends, these new friends have come into our community and we were able to bless them on that day and the journey continues and the friendship continues. I feel like it's a sacred union with this special family and I feel like we have a corporate call as a church here at C3 Silverwater to provide ongoing answers as the Syrian refugees reach our city and I was asking God, Lord, how do I, how do I find them? And then this family literally gets delivered to our doorstep and then we've gone back to um, the apartments where the government has housed them and with my friends gone in and found many families, um, many families filling this apartment building. And so actually in conversation with Rhonda Sabat where um, we've, we've booked the function room of that building and this Friday at 10 a.m. we're going to go in and we're going, to, uh, we're going to go on a journey of asking God to show us how we can show them love and kindness and restore hope and, and break, break the weight of oppression and, um, and uh, uh, of melancholy that comes on these people as they walk through this journey. You know, the government is amazing at providing resources, but it's the church that is clothed with the mantle of affection that can minister love and kindness and the healing power of God. And so we're going to go in, we're going to serve them tea, we're going to serve them kindness and lunch, and we're going to, and these are dignified people, these are educated people. Think of the Sabat family and imagine them coming through. They're, they're incredible, they speak multiple languages, they're upright, they're intelligent. It's about meeting this unique group of people, honouring them, serving them with dignity and kindness, and helping the transition into Australian life be a little bit more dignified, a little bit sweeter, a little bit smoother. 
And actually, I shared this message um, last weekend. And as I was sharing my burden, a woman approached me afterwards and she said, I've got a property with two houses on it. I feel like this location has been for this purpose, but I haven't known how to find the ones. And I, I believe that there is going to be a magnificent outpouring of God's provision because it's his heart to, to, to nurture and to, to heal and to strengthen these ones as they come. And so after the service today, I'm inviting anyone whom this burden resonates with um, to meet briefly straight after the service here in the auditorium, and we're just going to see what God will do. You know, we're, we're going to make a way, we're going to open up a space, and we're just going to see what God will do in his kindness. Why don't we just thank God in advance for what he has coming. You know, the opposite of love isn't hate, it's indifference. Love moves me. Love moves me ridiculously. Like this burden, like when I'm lying down at my bed at night, in my spare time, I'm thinking about this family. I'm, I love this family. They're in my heart. It moves me beyond rationality. And I had this conversation with God, Lord, I'm, I've got, I'm doing all these other things. How does this look? It literally is in my spare time driving to them, organising things. I'm like, Lord, how? And I just felt him say, go into all the world. Get out of the comfort of Silverwater. Go into that apartment building. Go into all the world. These ones are mine. They're mine to be loved and to restore and to, for many to find um, Christ and new hope and new salvation. 1 John 4.12 says, No man has at any time yet... I'm going to ask the worship team to come. No man has at any time yet seen God, but if we love one another... God abides, lives and remains in us and his love, that love which is essentially his, is brought to completion to its full maturity, runs its full course, is perfected in us. His love story began on the cross and continues and finds completion in us. We are his partners. We are his expression on the earth. We are his bride. We are his kayil, his boring wife, clothed in the mantle of affection. We are his representative. We are the church on purpose here in this day and in this hour. Why don't you just stand for me right across this room? And I'm just going to read over us. What my Bible says the church looks like, it says in Proverbs 31, 14 to 18 in the Passion Translation, this is she, this is she, the church on purpose, the bride on purpose. She gives out revelation truth to feed others. She's like a trading ship bringing divine supplies from the merchant. Even in the night season, she arises and sets food on the table for the hungry ones in her house and for others. She sets her heart upon a nation and takes it as her own, carrying it within her. She labors there to plant the living vines. She wraps herself in strength, might, and power. In all her work, she tastes and experiences a better substance and her shining light will not be extinguished no matter how dark the night. This is she. This is the church, Kayil, a church mobilized on purpose. She's not passive. She's not sleeping. No matter how dark the night, she lifts up the light. No matter how dark the night, she shines out hope, vitality, promises of heaven around released at her words, released at her hands. This is she, the church. This is the church on purpose. Kayil, a warring wife, 
dressed in the mantle of affection, love and kindness exude from her heart, from the overflow of her heart. This is she. This is she. Why don't you just lift your hands? If you agree, you are she, that you are this one, the church. You are that one partnering with Christ. You are Christ's expression on the earth. Lord, I just commission afresh this mighty army of light bearers, of hope bearers, of faith bearers, of healing bearers. I just commission each one afresh right across this auditorium here today. And Lord, I impart a fresh burst of your power, the warring wife, and your kindness, your heart, the love of God poured out on each one, each representative of you standing across this room. I thank you, Lord, you feel with your power. You feel with your spirit, each one that stands for Christ, each one that stands no matter how dark the night. I thank you where your light carries, where your hope carries, where your faith carries. Lord, as silver water, we yield afresh. Let your will be done. Let your kingdom come through this house, in this day, in this hour. We do not shrink back. We immobilize and move by your love. in our businesses. Show us your way. A people on purpose. A people aligned for this day and in this hour. In Jesus' mighty name and the church that agrees, the saints that agree, say amen. Come on, let's give him a mighty shout of praise in his praise today. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. 